0: and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 45, Listener Q&A, recorded March 25th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. That's right, this show is all about you, the listener. uh, We've made uh, announcements on Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and emailed people and asked them to join, and so uh, tonight's show is all about you. We're going to take your questions and we're going to attempt to answer them. So, if you have questions, it'll be a good show. If you don't, it will be the shortest show ever in the history of Everyday Linux. And uh, joining me this week to attempt to answer your questions are um, our regular pantheon of hosts. I'm happy to say that they're all back, starting with the uh, gooey kid, Mr. Seth Anderson. Hey, Seth.
1: Hey, everybody. How's it going?
0: Welcome back, Seth. Good to have you two weeks in a row. And uh, Mr. Chris Neves. Hey, Chris.
2: Hey, hey, everyone.
0: That would be our command line godfather, of course.
2: Who's already opened a command line for this week. Of course you have.
0: <laughs> and then, of course, if he's waiting, I'm waiting to nod at me so that I'll know you're okay. Because you had your headphones out earlier. Mr. Aaron Butler, the noob in residence, also known as the former Fad guy. Hey, Aaron.
3: I'm switching my title to the credit line godfather. Because I'm hoping you're going to close on my house in a couple of weeks.
0: Nice. Awesome. That will be awesome.
3: Hello, everyone. Also, by the way. <laughs>
0: Closing on a house. Good thing.
3: Yes. Doing my
0: part to help out on the housing crisis.
2: Okay. Hopefully uh, that the market doesn't fall on you.
0: Well, it, it kind of, you know, it's already as about fallen as it can get, right? Maybe. you say it's, it's
3: going to decline much. another 4 or to 6% in Georgia this year, and then it should start picking up. And I'm like, hey, 4 to 6%. That's a few thousand dollars.
0: Yeah. Texas, we held out longer than most other states like we had the number one housing market uh up until just this last year and we're we're finally beginning to get the effects of what everybody else has had recently
3: well uh the um the the sad state of the fact is I've, i haven't owned a house since i've lived in georgia i've lived in georgia just a little over five years and i've paid sixty five thousand dollars in rent wow that's sixty five thousand. that's six five and three zeros dot but zeros see, ago, so head
1: had you bought a house when you got there,
3: it's I would have paid
1: $65,000 $65, toward that. <laughs> so you're, you're at zero whether you bought in or buy now.
0: Yeah, but see, here's the thing. If you do the standard 30 year mortgage, that $65,000 would have dro- dropped your principal roughly $8. Yeah,
3: yeah. It wouldn't have been quite that bad, but I'm not going to do the, the standard thing. Yeah. We'll do the substandard.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's good to be <laughs> substandard. Uh, okay, so those of you watching on the stream uh, have Dang already low. commented that I am not in the PodPod. Pod. I am broadcasting from my dining room table because He's in the foolproof PodPod 1.0 is no more, and PodPod 2.0 is not yet. Um, we had attend, uh, intended to get that done. Actually, Friday we were going to start on it Friday night, uh, right after I got home from work, and then we'd have all day Saturday just to to, to finish things up, and then. Sunday night the show eh, not so much um, due to a number of factors some of them weather related others of them not uh the uh the the pod pod is not ready yet uh and it probably won't be ready for my show tomorrow so we'll just have to see what happens so for now welcome to my dining room table my kids <laughs> have been sent to bed with uh, threats of bodily harm and or death Uh, If they make any noise, which means they will all be in here any minute now, Uh,
3: (laughs) and we can call that a Nathaniel. Yes, they pulled a Nathaniel.
0: So um, hopefully, I'll get that done. But I I have in the show notes. I am literally a redneck today. I've been outside the last most of the last two days, uh, working on on you know panels and 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 working on the pod pod. And so the back of my neck is literally red. I'm I'm fairly sunburned, uh, and. So, you know, I've, I've often been accused of it. So today I can live up to my redneck credo.
3: Awesome.
1: Yeehaw. <laughs> we're so
3: going to take some of their nails. Up. We're going to jam those nails we- in that wood and We're going to put that wall up. That's what we're going to do.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I so think, you're a redneck geek then.
0: Yeah, that's right. I'm a, I, I think I've mentioned before, uh, Last week, I think I mentioned what what I was going to do with the new studio. But uh, I've built some uh, six inch, six and a half actually inch wide panels uh, that are that are soundproof. So there's there's tons of insulation in there, um, and the idea is to bolt them all together in a semi permanent fashion so that it, that when we leave this house, we can take it down, and the next tenants will not have to have half a garage with a recording studio in it. Um, and so it's all going fairly well. We've gotten two walls, two panels up and bolted together and, and it seems like it's going to work. We just, uh, got to get everything together. But by the time all of those things were all put together, the, the plywood and the, the, the actually it was, uh, oriented strand board, the studs and the, the soundproofing inside each panel weighs roughly 180 pounds. Wow. So, uh, it's a big deal hefting these things around and moving them from where we constructed them to to my house so that slowed us down a little bit and i am sore so if you hear me go that just means i moved
1: that's (laughs) almost (laughs) half of me yeah
0: so yeah there's there's 10 panels at 180 pounds each so almost a ton of pod pod
2: so that means you're going to become a strong redneck (laughs) that's right yes (laughs)
3: we're gonna have a a total separate show, about talking about why you chose to build it in another site in panels like that instead of assembling the panels in place or anything. I'm just curious.
0: Because I don't have room and or tools here, I had to go oh, where okay. both of those things existed. Oh, so there you Still go. Skillz
3: calling screw gun. Anyway, that's all another. <laughs> that's a different show. Like I get that.
0: No, you have to have enough room to assemble oh, okay. four foot by eight foot panels, which I don't have.
3: No, oh, I thought I thought you. Would, I would just. I was assuming you were building it in your garage.
0: No, no, it did uh, not. Not possible in my. I only have half a garage, ideally, right. because the pod pod takes up the other half, and the other half is full of stuff. You know, heaven forbid we put cars in a garage. We tried this, <laughs> but anyway, I I wanted to mention one other thing. Um, that I'm calling stick to your guns. I, I mentioned, I think, last week on the show that my. Uh, microphone on my trusty samsung nexus s had gone out and so it would only work if on bluetooth or if i had a headset plugged into it um so that turned out to be quite an ordeal i bought this uh best buy last i think august they were having a deal uh two-year contract free phone i was never really crazy about the nexus s it wasn't an awesome phone But it was free, so you know it was not a big deal. And I've actually already sold my Nexus One, uh, or I would have just gone back to that. So I called uh, Samsung. Actually, first I called Best Buy. And they said, did you buy our little three-year warranty that we tried to sell you? No, I didn't. Oh, in that case, have a nice life. We're not even going to talk to you. And so that was pretty much the end of that. So then I uh, called Samsung. And Samsung said, that phone is not a U.S.-made phone. That is a European model. You need to go back to the country in which you bought it because we can't help you. And I said, I bought it in this country. They said, no, you didn't. You couldn't have. It's a European phone. No, I'm pretty sure I've never been to Europe, nor have I ever (laughs) bought anything from Europe. So uh, literally, they just hung up on me. I'm done with you. Thank you. Bye. So then uh, I called AT&T and said, all right, here's the deal. I want a new phone. This one doesn't work. Um, I know I'm not, I've got, you know, time on my contract left. I know that you do contract exceptions from time to time, upgrade exceptions. I'm willing to pay you, you know, for a new smartphone. I just, I just need you to, you know, to kick in for half of it. And, and the first guy I talked to, said, well, you're, um, that's still under warranty. So sure. We'll take care of that. And so he s- sent me to the warranty division. The warranty division said, we don't sell this phone. We never have. I said, well, that's what I told the first guy who sent you here. But apparently the first guy had already put it in the computer, warranty will deal with it. So that was binding at that point. So the warranty people had to do something, but you know, it was, it was just funny. Cause I went through several different people and I kept saying, can I just talk to a supervisor? You know, I, I got to the point where I was two hours and 20 minutes on the phone with AT&T. He
3: had to wear Bluetooth Man, the whole time. Man,
0: you microphone Yeah, yeah. I, I did both have to wear Bluetooth th- uh, the whole time, and uh, yeah. It, so I was um, on on the phone with him, bouncing around. Finally, I just got to the point where every time somebody would answer, I'd say, "Just let me talk to your supervisor." I'm not mad. I just know you can't help me. So finally, I got to somebody who might be able to help me, and and they said, you know, but the issue is you're not. Anywhere near, like you have to have your contract for at least a year before we can give you an upgrade exception. I said, okay, go back and look at my account. When was my last upgrade before this Nexus S? It was six years ago. So by your logic, every year I could have had a new phone. Therefore, you owe me six phones. I'm just asking for one of those. She stopped
2: yeah.
0: and she start she started to say something and she stopped and then she started to say and then she said that actually makes a lot of sense. And so I got a new phone. <laughs> So, what I have, actually, they, they tried to to uh, make me pay the express shipping, and I kind of wish I had, because I, I got the regular shipping and it arrived the next day. If I'd have gotten the sh- express shipping, it might have actually call, uh, came before I placed the order. But uh, I now have uh, an HTC Vivid. Nice phone. Vivid. Vivid. It's a Alrighty. refurb. It's not a new one, but that's fine. I didn't have a new one. It looks pristine. I can't sell, see that there's anything wrong with it. No scratches on it, nothing. Um, and it was an entirely free, free shipping, and it came the next day. So, it's my first experience with the HTC Sense UI. Um, and it's kind of cool. It's a, a dual core, um, 1.2 gigahertz phone. Um, I'll let you know, I've only literally had it just a short while. It's 4G. I don't even know if my era has 4G. But um, and I can't know because the SIM card that I had in my old phone doesn't work. They're gonna to to send me a new one. That's another phone call. They said the SIM card is twenty five dollars. And I said, That's stupid, I'm not paying it. And they said, Okay, SIM card will be free. But the shipping is ten dollars. Ten dollars? Really? Have you seen a SIM card? You could put For a piece of plastic. That's a thirty two cents stamp. Tape it to the back of a stamp. Yeah. Tape it to the back of a stamp. <laughs> exactly. So that's a thirty-two cent <laughs> stamp. Or whatever stamps are these days, thirty nine, whatever. And uh
1: they're ten dollars i do, all, I do
0: so. yeah i do all my billing electronically i don't send uh uh things anymore so well, i the guy was like no i'm sorry that's what it cost and then a couple minutes later after he uh, was doing things said all right we're gonna send it to you free so there you go there you go stick to your guns uh, you get free stuff i
3: was go gonna ahead. say mark just on the htc thing i had the sense ui on uh, on a uh, droid Eris and i actually loved the Sense UI. it was really cool but that phone was one of the, it was the most underpowered android phone so it it that little bit of overhead made me to pull it off and just run the straight up regular android operating system it was a little quicker but i think you'll actually end up liking the Sense UI. it's got some really cool widgets and things that you can't do otherwise um, yeah, the camera so,
0: enhancements are outstanding. Uh, it, yeah, it's got it's some also, cool stuff. It's also got Ice Cream Sandwich on it, so it's my first look at Android 4.0. 4.0 so I don't know what's Android and what's Sense UI.
3: Uh, I'm sure you probably know there is a way you can turn off Sense UI without actually uninstalling it and just flip back to the regular desktop pretty easily.
0: Actually, I did not know that.
3: Yeah, it, it it's you you can set it to um you, you're basically set your GUI. Set uh, to which one you want to use by default. Okay, so you can you can just unset that as the default. It'll boot to. It's got to
1: be a big chair to hold me.
3: So. That's right. <laughs> it'll it'll boot up and it'll say uh you know which one you want to use and until you pick one by default it'll ask you that every time you boot. But um, it's it's it, at least that's the way it worked on mine.
0: So then you and get the, the stock Android experience. Yeah. Okay, which yep. I'm familiar with. Both my Nexus One and my Nexus S have had the stock Android. Uh, first right. thing I'm going to have to do is is root it so that I can get tethering um, and remove all the AT&T crapware. So uh, that'll be uh, – but, you know, I've been building a studio and haven't had a chance to do that.
2: Well, you'll have to let us know how that turns out, Mark. All right.
0: Because, you know, this is the old Android all the time show, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Some days. Yes, it, it is built on Linux. <laughs> yes. All Actually, right, who else wants Java. to talk? Chris, what's or, going on? Apple's built on Linux
1: too, so. Well, yeah, we they don't <laughs> like to talk about that. Actually,
0: <laughs> technically, Apple is built on –
2: Units, Units, which is right.
0: a derive the same thing that Linux is built on. So technically,
2: uh, okay. they sh- they share parents, <laughs>
3: great grandparents. <laughs> it's
0: unforest. <incensuous>. <laughs> so, Chris, your computer hates you now.
2: Oh no, no, it, it doesn't hate me. It just, uh for some reason, both my hard drives at work decided to go and spit at me, and now I have no computer at work. That was all day Friday. So now I have to go back to my archives and backups to find out how much of the stuff I actually lost and how much I actually had up in Google. So it should be an interesting Monday for sure. But I figured I'd say, you know, everyone hold on a moment of silence for rest in peace for my work computer because uh, it served me well for many, many years.
3: You know, there's pros and cons for being part of a larger organization like I am. It's a big ship. It's hard to turn. You know, I'm one of thousands, so my voice doesn't get as much I don't have near the import of the control. Somebody like Chris or Mark does as being able just to say, you know what? I think I'm going to install this or I'm going to do that. I'm going to make this change. But if what happened to you happened to me, I would pick up the phone and dial 404-605-dot-dot-dot-dot dot, dot, dot and say, my computer died. And a guy would show up with a new one <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. about 20 minutes. Nice.
0: But unfortunately, <laughs> and, uh, Chris is that guy.
3: I know. Yeah. And, uh, and all my stuff I save into my documents folder, which is not only on another server, but also backed up each night for me. And so... It would take me the length of time it would take me would be just to reinstall a few applications that that I use that nobody else uses. Even most of my main applications are Citrix push. So
2: I had a I'm teacher exe- call I'm me expecting up. my uh my Monday to be tearing my hair out because I also have to rebuild three virtual machines that were on that machine too. That's fun. Oh yeah, Should, like I'd recommend I said,
3: um, clippers and a Bic instead of tearing. <laughs> spin
1: right. See if they can help. Yeah, Spin Right might help.
2: I already did. Oh, okay. Oh. Already did. They 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 were what happened was the, the heads fell off the the drive.
0: <laughs> how old were these hard drives?
2: <laughs> it's not how old they were, it's it's how old or well, I shouldn't say head, that's not the right term, but yeah, the it they literally the, the spindles. it's the click of doom. Yeah, yes. The click of yeah, death. Yeah.
0: There's nothing you can do for the cook of
2: death. Yeah, and they were, and both drives were clicking, so it was like a small orchestra in my office.
0: It sounds like you've got a heat issue if both of them failed like that.
2: Well, I they, they were they've been spinning nonstop for four and a half years. Okay, that heavy stress on both of them. Yeah, so it, they they just end up spinning off, and that was all I could, you know. It, I knew it was, I knew it was coming because of the way the computer was performing. I just was expecting a little bit more time right. on those drives.
0: Aaron, you were talking about backups. I had a teacher call me last week or maybe two weeks ago and said a student lost uh, some work that he had been doing. And I need to see if you can pull it off the backup. I said, okay, when, when did he do it? August.
2: Yeah. You're failing
0: to understand the nature of a backup. Uh, I don't keep backups for eight months. I'm sorry. There's a
3: backup. There's an archive. <laughs> That's
0: right. There's a difference between a backup and an archive.
2: Yeah, I'm going to have the well, same problem funny. with another teacher uh, as well on Monday. She was saving everything in one place, and we had a – not only did my computer blow up on Friday, but so did one of the storage drives on a server. So that's where her drive was being stored, and I don't remember if that was one of the backed-up drives or if it was not. Well,
3: before we move on from the um, warm-up into the Linux news, I want to make sure that the show is complete. So I just want to say bacon.
1: Bacon. Okay. <laughs> okay. Man, do you know, I love bacon. It has less calories than sausage. so (laughs) I love bacon, too.
0: My next-door neighbor walked up yesterday and handed me one of those, like, quart uh, uh, sour cream tubs and said, my wife made way too many beans. Here, take these. And I I didn't argue with him or anything. I just took them and said, okay, thank you. And then he starts telling me what they've got in them. You're really going to like them. They're great. They've got yada yada, and they've uh, they've got bacon in them. They've got some peppers in them. And I said, stop. You had me at bacon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh yes okay so Linux news I'm going to go stri- straight to the second one because I think it's interesting LibreOffice coming to a cloud near you what's up with that
1: uh, Linux Insider is where I got the story from but document the Document Foundation which is like the uh, LibreOffice brain trust announces that a cloud version of their software will be available in April so if you don't like what Google is doing with your data and you don't want to give Microsoft any money, next month you'll be able to have LibreOffice and much the same way you use Google Docs or Office 365 now. It's just a cloud-based collaboration based on LibreOffice.
0: So I wonder where the data lives. Does it live on the LibreOffice servers or do you, is it something you have to set up and share out? Do we know?
1: It, that was not in the announcement. I'm sure it's going to be pretty similar to like Google, you know, it's, it's not going to be housed at Google, It'll probably be housed at the uh foundation or some server farm somewhere in the world.
3: That's probably true, Seth. It will be on some server <laughs> farm somewhere in the world.
1: <laughs> See what
0: I would like is a locally hosted, hosted Google apps. I would like to be able to set up on my own server for my stakeholders uh, you know, in my case, students and staff, uh, our own Google Docs that I then back up. I think that would be cool.
1: There are. a SharePoint. No, there are No, there are ones that can do that. Um, I will have to look through, but uh, yeah, I, there are
0: things out there, uh, and I, you know, before we moved to Google Apps, I looked at them, and and I can't remember the names of them right now, but they all sucked by in comparison. And, uh, you know, particularly that real-time collaboration that we're doing right now in the Google Docs. I mean, I can see Aaron typing right now. And I can see where Chris is clicking. And and that's just cool. And uh, I, I've never seen anybody else come even close to that.
1: Man, it's yeah, a great tool. Uh, SharePoint does do that. So at least not the way I've seen SharePoint implemented. It does so, not uh, do that. Yeah, and, What
3: SharePoint and, does is open really slowly and suck. That's right. Sorry.
0: <laughs> that's, that's and cost experience. a lot of money. Yes, so uh, right. the next one um, not not terribly um, new uh, groundbreaking, but uh, Nvidia has released some new video drivers that work for Linux.
1: Right. Uh, they have just released, and there's some long number that's really inconsequential, but they do have drivers that uh, work with the Linux 3.3 kernel supporting 32 64 bit as well as 3d vision. So they just announced that this past week. So, and if you're interested, go ahead.
0: He just said that's good. Oh,
1: yeah. I know, Chris, you're always talking about Linux and your NVIDIA drivers not working well. So they have new ones out
2: now. For my laptop? Yeah, I'm going to have to try that because I know uh, when I reported the bug report about my laptop not working well, um, I was just asked not like two days ago to try it now with the brand new Linux cur- with the new drivers to see if it, if the problems are alleviated or not. So it'll be, that was going to be this week, but I just got too lazy.
0: <laughs> and the next one in the news, audacity hits 2.0, uh, which is, you know, that's a uh, big news for those of us using audacity. Like myself, we're, you know, every show that we've ever done has been recorded on audacity. I checked out audacity very briefly. It had some fairly minor bugs in it. Um, well, I think it's interesting because, uh, they, they, the one point, whatever beta has been around for a long time, 1.3, I think beta. And so basically they just kind of reached a point where they didn't want to call it beta anymore and called it 2.0. There's, there's, they didn't really, there's, they didn't really add anything. There's no real big difference. It's just, you know, we're just going to call it 2.0 now. Um,
1: well, it's actually supposed to have more audio effects as well as automatic crash recovery. So, yeah,
0: but but the beta has crash recovery. I mean, the things that were they're talking about are compared to the stable, and compared to the stable 2.0 is awesome. But compared to the most recent beta, it's it's really just sort of another step up. But you know, everybody likes round numbers, so point yeah. 2.0. Well,
2: and that's what Linux programs and open source programs do anyway. Is they finally get to the point where they're tired of calling it beta or release candidate, so they just push it up and say, okay, well, we're done patching this one for now. The next updates will be 2.0. Yeah.
0: So, uh, but that will, you know. Anytime I tell people to go download Audacity for whatever reason, I always say be sure to get the beta. Now I don't have to say that. They they don't have to be scared. They can get the full on 2.0 release. And uh, it, I've read some from some forum posts. I haven't run into anything, but uh, where it has a few minor glitches, but they're going to fix that in 2.0.1. You know, it's not going to be a big beta. beta. Yeah, <laughs> in the in the beta. <laughs> So, yeah, so immediately well, I'll start going to the to 3.0 beta.
1: Right. Well, you know, and like Google, they call everything they do beta. So when something doesn't work, oh, it's beta. We don't have to support it. Exactly. So, uh, you know, um, that's my slam on Google.
0: Okay. And so the next one that you have here, Seth, um, Linux fragment, excuse me, Android fragmentation is breaking Android's, the de- de- breaking the will of Android developers.
1: Right. Um, I called it his Android falling apart. And the gist of the uh, story is there are so many different versions of Android. You have like from, you know, 1. 1.3, 1. 1.6, 2.1, 2, all the way up to 3.0. Well, now 4.0. I and, there isn't, and, a, yeah, and There isn't one like way to develop for all of them. So uh, it's getting to the point to where, People developers are less interested in developing for Android than they were before. Um, uh, you know, it's fallen like on a in terms of percentage, it's five percentage points lower over the last quarter in developing for the Android phone, uh, and two percent lower for the tablets. Uh, so it's one of those things. You know, as much as I love to bash Apple, they have one product at a time, and so you know exactly. What you're developed for, and Microsoft is even pretty uh, streamlined in what they do. So uh, the one thing this article is like, they couldn't tell where the developers were going because Apple wasn't increasing, Microsoft wasn't increasing, HTML5 wasn't increasing. People were just kind of getting they're tired just, of Android.
0: Yeah, they're just throwing their hands up and giving up.
1: Right. So yeah, it's it's one of those things. You know, I, I love Android, but if you're going to be free and you're not going to be regulated that tightly, then this is. Kind of, things that happens.
0: Well, one of the, the in my opinion, the issue with Android is not with Android but with with handset makers who um and 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 cell phone carriers because the the only way to get an update on your phone unless you're going to root it or ram it is through your carrier. And and so the carrier has to decide what they'll upgrade and what they won't. And their business is selling you new hardware. So if they say right. this phone won't be updated ever, then you have to buy a new phone. And so that's a good thing for them. Um and so they I think that's a problem the reason there's so many versions hanging around is uh is because of of uh the fact that carriers want you to buy a new phone. And so Right. That's that's really what it is. It's the fragmentation is not so much on the part of Google in in my less than humble opinion.
1: Well, yeah, no, and I wasn't saying it was. It's just that's the nature of the ecosystem. And it kind of can put a bad taste in a new, like, a lot of times somebody's first experience with Android is, hey, I'm getting a new Android phone. I will sell this old one for X amount of dollars. So they have this old Android phone that can't do everything the new Android phone can. Exactly. You know, so therefore, they're like, I thought Android was supposed to be great. You know, look at all this stuff on that brand new iPhone 4, and here's my 1.6 Android that just looks kind of ugly in comparison. So, again, you know, it's just one of those. It's the nature of the beast. Um, when th- when things are open, they're open. And because you have so much choice, you get to live with the consequences of your choices.
0: Um, we have a comment in the chat room. Uh, Napscott says that uh, the LibreOffice blog reports that a roadmap for LibreOffice Online will be available sometime late in May uh, or, or late April, early May. Not a product, but a roadmap. The uh, LinuxUser.co.uk article that we, that we've re- referenced doesn't say roadmap. It's as the product will be available in May. So right. clearly, there's a there's a, a, a drop. In communication somewhere, so I'm I'm going to go with what the 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 LibreOffice blog says that that they're working on it and not ready to roll out a product. Um, But here it says uh, Italo Vignoli, speaking to the Register, confirmed that the uh, oh that's that's a different thing. The Android port port of LibreOffice was about eighty percent complete. Um, So it may be just a case a case of bad reporting. And uh, we just picked up the story and ran with it. So sorry about that.
1: Yeah. Hey, okay. I went to the uh, article that he referenced, um, where I got it from, and it does say LibreOffice will have roadmap for cloud service okay. next month. So, so
0: it's it's going to be a while. It's going to be years then, uh, and not in April.
1: Which is bummer. Yeah. I was uh, looking forward to seeing something new, and because you know, if you get a major player choice is what's going to spur it you know think of why um microsoft lost the ball in internet explorer because after they crushed Netscape and there was no competition we were stuck with for years uh and it wasn't until firefox came out that um you know now all the browsers are head and shoulders and miles further now that there's competition driving it so
0: yeah. Thanks, Nap Scott, in the chat room for uh, catching that for us. We, uh, we don't mind spreading misinformation, but if we can avoid it, we should.
2: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah.
0: And the next one, uh, is, uh, for you, uh, uh, enterprise geeks. Red Hat has now decided that, uh, support for Red Hat Enterprise Linux five and six will last for an entire decade. Nice. <laughs> Woohoo.
1: 10 years. So. Yeah, instead of lasting like their standard kind of five-year cycle and then a little bit further, it um, it basically means that they're adding a couple of years to the end. An article that I was reading talked about how this might be more a… Um, Desire to keep people going to free support rather than just extending it. You know so, how I
0: read that? I read that as there's not a lot of development right now that is appropriate toward toward the enterprise. All the all the development is tablets and and uh, end user driven, and so we don't have anything to add to make uh, uh, an RHEL seven. So we're just right. going to stick with six. That's the way I read it.
1: Yeah. We'll make it a little bit faster. You can do a little bit more, but, yeah, it's not enough to call it an new version. Because so you're sure
0: not going to put Unity or GNOME 3 or, or KDE 5, is it up to? You're not going to put any of those in your enterprise product. And yeah. that's what everybody's working on right now. They're working on this bleeding-edge stuff. So they looked around and said, you know what? We can just keep making tweaks here and there, and uh, sure, we'll give them 10 years. That's the way I'm reading it anyway.
1: Right. Yeah, and who knows, in another couple of years, uh, Unity, Gnome, or they might be good enough. Uh, I was reading an article, I didn't throw it in the news, but um, some people were testing out the latest Unity, and it was apparently a lot better. Not that that would have been hard to do, but um, it seemed to be a lot better, and they liked it better. Okay, so
0: on to the listener Q&A part. So guys uh listening on the chat room, uh li- listening in the live stream and communicating in the chat room, you're not really listening in the chat room. Um this is your point. This is your chance uh to ask your question and uh get a non-specific answer from us. Uh, <laughs> but we did have uh one uh ahead of time. So while you guys think about your questions, uh John Zim uh, contacted me on Google+, Plus, uh, and basically was asking f- about the best way to auto-mount a Windows share at logon. He wants to be able to log on and auto-mount a Windows share. Um, the way I have done that in the past is with a fairly uh, complex line in the FSTAB file, But then you run into permissions issues, uh, that generally only root or sudoers can do that. So you got to make sure that the person you want to do it is a sudoer. And if you're trying to map something like in my case, what I was trying to do was map student drives to a certain place as soon as they logged on, I failed entirely at that and ended up just creating a shortcut rather than a map. Um, (laughs) do any of you guys have other experiences?
2: Well, yeah, that's about the same things I usually end up with too, because file permissions are such a pain in the neck. And if you miss one, you could spend hours trying to troubleshoot it down. Now, did he ask what type of? Is this him only that's trying to get to the share, or is it a multiple users?
0: You have all the information. I do.
2: Okay. Um, well, then let's go off the idea that it's only him who's using the computer, and the because at that point, then the FS tab is the easiest way to do uh, an auto mounting um, share.
0: Okay, so John is in the in the chat room, and he says private home wants to sync to his NAS. So there you go. Okay,
2: so yeah, then then the single uh, the single user idea would work great. Um, there's a, a link from Novell that we have in our show notes that we can dump into the chat room that leads it out pretty well. Um, the only thing I have an issue with is that they ask you to use the directory mode seven seven five, which for his case wouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, I'm just brown. I'm looking over real quick to make sure there's nothing I don't stand out with, but it, it works it out really well. The only thing I would do. Yeah. Towards the end of the article, it does say something along the lines about to remove the user and password lines out of the Fs tab and turn it into a credentials file, which is what I use. Um, but other than that, it, that's a pretty good walkthrough on how to do an auto mount with, with, uh, with the fs tab it's probably the easiest walkthrough i've seen for a while
0: yeah it's uh it's it's complicated but um once you do it it's done so that yep. and honestly john in uh and or AK Blythe 55 in the chat room uh anytime i've ever done this uh i have gone to a page like this and copied and pasted hoping that I wasn't hosing my system because it's, it's not really something I've ever wrapped my head around. I just kind of trust other people to not lead me in the wrong direction. And this is off of novell.com slash support. So I tend to trust this.
2: Right. And Novell's are really there. That's one thing Novell has done right when it comes to their documentation. It's really well written. Um, And like I said, from what I'm reading, it reads pretty well exactly what I'd be telling them anyway. Um yeah, I'm looking at it
0: too, and it looks it looks about right.
2: I mean the only thing that I would say is you might want to try and I, I don't know if I would force those directory mode and file modes, but you know, maybe omit that particular section and see if that will work. Um and he just says he copies and pastes a lot of stuff from Google. So yeah, that would be I would be really careful about that, especially <laughs> yeah. with this transition between um the CIFS and then um what's the other one? This SMB FS, right? Because it it, it handles. If you got an, an old article and you're using the old SMB FS, you might end up breaking that share and corrupting that that file share. So be careful when you're just copy and pasting. This one looks to be fairly up to date, and it looks like does it have a date on it? Oh eight modified to yeah, it's been modified as of 2012. So it's current. Um, what? What operating system are you running this on? Is it a, a Ubuntu, Fedora, Suzy?
0: While we wait for his response, uh, I'll encourage you to go back and listen to a couple of episodes back where we talked about stuff never to do. And one of them was copy and paste directly from a random hit on Google. Uh, that can hose your system faster than anything else. However, yeah. I, I confess then and I confess now to having done that. So uh, we all do it but uh, just be warned that it's not yeah. necessarily a good thing. So he's it using helps, Linux Mint 12
2: so Yep um, so that will be fairly the, the packages they ref, that they're referring to is about the same. I, I think they're worded the exact same. You may not the command that they're asking for to run zipper it wouldn't be zipper it'd be you know either app get or using the um add remove software right. program. Uh, but yeah, the that's, uh, the other thing you might want to install as well is the fuse pla- package for Linux Mint. Uh, that'll handle a lot of things too.
0: And the, the only thing I don't like about this method, and and the, as far as I know, there's no way to do it, is you have to put your password in plain text in a config file, and that just, it'd be what it'd be. There, that's, that's really the only way to do it, um, and it kind of sucks.
2: But if you – like at the end of the article where it's saying to make a credentials file, and then you can restrict the credentials file to only being root, the nice thing is then is that you, you A, have to have root access to even get to the file, but since the, auto, the FS tab is root when it reads it, it'll be fine for then. Um, All right, so
0: uh, we got a couple other questions, and uh, I think I can answer one of them pretty quickly. Napscott uh, wants to know how do I verify that Linux Mint is recognizing the quad core system on a new laptop? Uh, you go to—I'm uh, not sure uh, in Ubuntu—I'm uh, not sure if the uh, the uh, menu structure is the same in Mint, but in Ubuntu you'd go to System Preferences and you go to System Properties or System Information, one of those two, and it will show you everything that's going on there. It's basically like doing Control-Alt-Delete on a Windows machine and hitting the task manager. There is that same sort of thing and it'll show you how many CPUs and how many threads it's recognizing. So that's the simple way to do that.
2: Yep.
3: Are and, you on that machine right now that you could try that, Napscott?
0: Yeah, If you that's a good question. If you can verify that for me right now. Now, it, it may be that you have to, that the system properties thing is something that doesn't come uh with Mint, but I I, I would think it's standard.
2: But yeah, not, I think it's there somewhere. If I remember right, Mint's pretty standard when it comes to their file structure. I think that's the correct way to get into it.
0: Uh, And then the next question from uh, Linux Noob in the chat room says, if I installed Ubuntu 11.4 side-by-side with Windows on my laptop, is there an easy way to get it back off and give that space back to Windows without nuking and paving? Um, Yes, more or less. Uh, You can simply um, go uh, use something like a G-parted boot disk and yep. go wipe out the Linux partition and re-extend the windows partition, and it'll take you you know a few minutes uh, and it shouldn't do anything harmful at all shouldn't shouldn't and
1: Your you can even are. use the Ubuntu c d that you uh True. installed with, yeah, so you don't have to go get another c d to do it
0: yeah, so there's no there's no uninstall. But what you can do is you you put in your 11.4 disk that you were installing with or thumb drive or whatever. Um, you run the install process and it'll get to that disk management. And instead of checking the auto box, check manual and it'll drop you into the uh, um, um, partition management section there. And it'll show you that this is a Windows drive and this is a a Linux partition. You just delete the uh, Linux partition, re-extend the Windows drive. I've done it once, only once, uh, but it was perfectly successful. And and the reason I did it was I was giving the laptop to somebody else, so I I wanted to put it back at its uh, Windows state. So
1: that worked.
2: See, I would actually say go get Gparted. I've had more luck with Gparted than anything else. I would actually use Puppy. That, well puppy that's true rules.
0: but puppy has gparted on it so right. you would load gparted from puppy
2: yep and okay see, i actually my boss at work is even he was a partition magic user and he has now been converted to gparted so All that was right. kind of cool any
0: other questions out there or was that it do we have a three question show and we're done
2: Do,
0: do, do, do. <laughs> and so while we wait, and so there's not dead air. Oh, we do have another question. Here we go. Um, I'm running Linux Mint 12. What file do I need to grab and back up from grsync if I want to change distros, but I want grsync to remember what's backed up and synced, et cetera? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know the answer that to that. That is
1: a great question.
0: Um, so basically he's got an rsync set up and he wants to save those configs. My guess is that's going to be in your user directory. It's going to be a hidden file with like dot rsync. Uh, and there's going to be, um, the, the settings in there. I've never done that. I don't know, but I'm sure it's going to be in your user directory.
2: Yeah. It should be somewhere in your slash home directory. Right. Either, either, either in your, I don't know. Does R-Sync save that config file in it's the usr or does it save it in the home?
0: I'm pretty sure it saves it per user in the home
2: directory. Yeah, I would say it's in the it's somewhere in your home directory as a dot file.
0: Uh, and he says, once I get off of 11.4, that's Linux noob coming back. What do you recommend? My recommendation is always Mint. Um, right now, it's the most user friendly distribution out there.
2: I would say either Mint or wait until um, Fedora comes out with their next release and try Fedora if you're a KDE user. Um, they are supposedly got some big works done on Dome 3 to make it a little bit better.
0: Yeah, um, the, the Fedora ambassador has to say that. <laughs> he would hey. lose his T-shirt if he didn't.
2: Hey, I love my Fedora. I still use it every day even though it doesn't like my laptop.
3: And the next question we have from Napscott again is, what is the difference between BTW, SMBFS, and CIFS?
0: Um, the, uh, the short answer... Is the difference first of all?
3: Could you define what those two things are?
0: Yeah, for it, the news, it's the difference between Windows NT networking and and an Active Directory domain networking. That's the yep. that's the the short version. SMBFS is um, the old Windows NT style domain architecture, and CIFS is the new uh, Active Directory. And, and in fact, there's they're largely compatible. But if you have like extended permissions on uh, a, a Complex Active Directory domain, you have to load it as a CIFS. And I don't know what those two stand for. Uh, SMB is server message blocks, but I don't know what CIFS stands for.
2: I'm not, oh, I know FS stands for file system. I don't remember what CI stands for. Uh, But yeah, you hit it on the head mark. Uh, The only thing I would say though, I think CIFS is the current way that Windows 7 and 8 uses file sharing. Right. I don't think they use the old new. There we go. Nice start. Got us covered. Common, common in File, file System. and, and you, the, Google.
0: the next question was asked is, have all Debian distros moved to CIFS? It's the fact that Windows has moved to CIFS. So anybody who wants to work with a modern Windows distribution, Vista 7, Server 2008, uh, you have to use CIFS. So it's not so much that the Linux distros have changed, it's that Windows has changed the way they do things.
2: Yep. And I would say since CrunchBang has... Uh, that's going to be a guarantee that I would say almost every De- Debian-based distro has moved to CIFS. Um, if it's not installed by default, you should be able to install it through your package manager.
0: This is great. I'm loving the live interaction.
2: It's we great. Should, I uh, love this.
0: Uh, uh, and what's even better is I even know some of the answers. I was I was really <laughs> afraid we'd all be sitting here going, um, uh, somebody talk while I Google that.
1: Yeah, Let me <laughs> google that for you, dot .com. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, yeah, um, Nap Scott, the reason I say that is because CrunchBang, Crunchbang, is based off of Debian, the Debian, actually, you know, the, the old school Debian people. So since Crunchbang has moved up into CIFS, I would say that pretty much everything is going to be.
0: And former fat guy in the chat room says, "Do you prefer thinly uh, sliced bacon or thickly sliced?" It's got to be. We thick could do for a,
3: me. Maybe we could do a chat room poll on that real quick while people <laughs> formulate their next question. So just chime in in the chat room if you're a, a thick or a thin.
2: Or, like said, uh, yes,
0: yes, <laughs> I would like thick sliced bacon with thin thin slice bacon weaved in there as well.
2: There you go, <laughs> thick sli- thick bacon with thin bacon wrapped around it. There you yeah, go. That's funny. Ooh, that does sound good.
0: Have any of you tried <laughs> solus, Sol OS, solus, OS? soloso? o s the type of bacon? Uh, Chris, didn't you mention that to me recently? Solus. I,
2: uh, yes, I think that is the. Is that the yes
1: OS of choice?
2: <laughs> no, I think I, I have to. I'll have to double check to make sure I'm right. No, but I believe or was it that is it Door to Door Geek?
0: I think Door to Door Geek recommended somebody on this show it was, was saying door, it we was, had to yeah, check it that. Yeah, it was Door. It was Door. Okay,
3: so, so he yeah. was raving about it.
0: And the answer is no. I haven't tried it yet,
2: and I have not either. I'm going to look at it though because it's based off a of Debian, so that should be interesting.
0: Nightstar so it, says it's very new and not really stable.
3: And, and Bly55 does confirm that it was door-to-door.
1: Well, <sighs> uh, that's one thing we needed was another Linux distribution. So for I'm glad it's here.
0: Yeah, but particularly another one that's unstable. Because right. uh, Linux has has this reputation for being so super stable.
1: Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> and I'm there weren't enough the Debian distros of. out there.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, not enough Debian. Uh, it says it's one of the former Mint devs. You know, I wonder how many distributions are out there started with somebody getting mad at somebody else. I'm going to take my code and go home. Um,
3: how many
1: churches are there in Yeah, exactly State Texas? How many Linux distros there are, and subtract one from it, and you <laughs> won't have your. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: that's funny, sir. It's
2: all right.
0: Yeah, you mentioned churches. I've always thought that like there was a Baptist church originally. And all the others were arguments based on carpet color. And that's why we have all these Baptist churches in the world.
3: Okay. We got another question. Uh, back to Samba. I now cannot figure out how to connect Samba from Newbie Info for my Crunchbang unit.
0: So basically you're looking for uh, the simplest way to uh, connect to a Samba or using a Samba share or uh, I'm, I'm not understanding the question. Yeah,
2: Can you elaborate
3: sure there for us now, Scott?
0: You don't. You don't have Samba. If not, it's you know you install Samba. Um, yep. In in Nautilus, I'm pretty sure, and I and I think also in the KDE browser, you can type instead of like HTTP colon slash like you you can type smb colon slash slash and where you want to go, and and that will find that. So like in a Windows share, you do the two backward slashes, the WAC two WAC WAC server name uh, share name. Uh, on uh, a Linux modern Linux uh, uh, file manager, it would be smb code slash slash server name, share name, if that was your question.
3: And maybe it was.
0: <laughs> Scintillating radio while we wait. Yeah.
3: Everyone talk amongst yourselves momentarily while people type in their questions.
0: Okay, so you want to... Um, not in Thunar. I don't. I don't know anything about Crunchbang, Chris. You're going to have to to handle this.
2: Okay. Well, Crunchbang. Now, if I remember right, I don't, think, Thun- it's I a don't Linux think. distribution. Th- oh. Okay. Thunar. has Samba built into it.
0: So you would need to to patch that in some way, or use yeah, something else.
2: Yeah, I, if I remember right, it's either it just got put in or it's being implemented in. Wow. You're really re- making me reach back into my memory here because it's been a while since I played this crunch bang. Um, I know the FS stab. If you, NAPS got it. If you go and edit the FS stab, like I were talking about earlier, that doesn't use the thunder, the thunnar file manager. That uses a, it's a lower level system then and it uses the actual commands to connect where sonar is trying to use it through a GUI.
0: Okay, he just checked the docs that it has has been added in the latest release.
2: But yeah. So it's work it's working in Nautilus from Mint but not through Crunchbang, is that correct?
0: I, just go with just go with Mint, honestly. Uh either the KDE version or the the uh uh, gnome version nautilus is super stable and been around forever and the kde one that i have to ask chris every time what it is because i can never remember the name of it is also very mature and 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 has all the stuff in it you might want
2: that's dolphin thank you thank you but the other one the other file manager still in there too conqueror that's still in there it still works and you can actually pick between the two yeah
0: I just have an issue with spelling. Any distro that spells everything with a K, I'm done. Sorry, I just can't do it. <laughs> Come I, I, on. Need, I need my Linux to be grammatically correct. It reminds me of a news story while we're waiting for the next question. Um, we had uh, uh, I, I, an article I read about a school that was serving crispy, crunchy chicken nuggets, but all with Ks. And they put them on their menu as KKK nuggets. Oh and, and apparently nobody thought that might upset huh. somebody.
3: That's funny. well uh, my, my former pastor in Texas's son his initials were KKK. It, you know it seemed good at the at the time right Kevin Kent Kirkwood seemed like a great idea.
0: Okay, so Linux Noob says I want to be able to remote control my Linux desktop top from my Android phone. Uh, depending on the distro, if you've got uh, say an, uh, an Ubuntu derivative, you can go in there and check the uh, remote control desktop and that will turn on uh, VNC. And then you can load an Android VNC client. Um, yep. It's not a great experience, but it works. I do. I have an Android VNC client on on all of my phones, um, and and it works. That's
2: the cool. That, I
3: might try to do that myself.
2: The other thing you could do if you're like me, um, it, since your handle's Linux noob, I'm gonna guess you're not gonna be happy in the command line. But yeah, you could put an SSH terminal and go that way too.
1: No, there's got to be another way. <laughs> you just said it cannot be done, Chris.
0: I've been using Linux for going on a decade and a half now, and I hate the command line. I'm not a noob, and I still hate the command line. Well,
3: got, the command it, line, and I Nap's even put the command question line on this. <laughs> and said, uh, can you give us a good tutorial for Synergy? Are you meaning, are you referring to the Synergy application that allows you to share keyboard and mouse across multiple PCs through IP?
0: I'm gonna the guess app, it's is there
3: a done. Linux application named Synergy? That, yes. What do you need to know? I know everything about it, and I'm not a <laughs> Linux guy. Look at this. <laughs> I say I know everything about it. I know that if you mess up the install, it really sucks because the the, uh, the uh, settings file can get messed up. <laughs> and then it doesn't want to do what you want it to do.
0: Just just so you know, Chris, the Nightstar in the chat room is giving you a little command line love. says SSH is great. I like SSH. I just use WinSCP to do it. <laughs> okay, so uh, have heard just point and click? No. You are
3: you referring to the Synergy setup, Napscott? Does it have to go up to a satellite somewhere? Or is it? Yeah, the Synergy setup's not too bad. Mark, Chris, Seth, have either, any of you guys used it?
0: You have nope. told me I should use it, but I've never used it. it.
3: It's great. Yeah, in, in case you're out there and you don't know what it is, it it allows you to have KVM-like functionality. So say you got three desktops sitting at your desk. You don't want to have a hard a manual KVM, KVM that you have to reach over there and switch between keyboards and mice. But you don't want to be grabbing three sets of keyboard and mice either. What this does, uh, it allows you to link a bunch of PCs together. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then you link the edges of the screens in the config file. And as you move your mouse off of one monitor, it jumps to the next monitor, just like an extended desktop does in Windows. Um, but it actually, when it jumps to the other monitor, it jumps to control the other PC. And your mouse and your keyboard now control the other PC. And so with with that, um, it's all done with TCP IP. You can control multiple desktops at, in, in, at your desk, or if you're like I did, you can set it up to control your neighbor's desktop when he's not looking, and then you move your mouse over there and start moving stuff around. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it, but you don't get great.
0: the display. You have to be able to look at what you're doing, right?
3: Yeah, it, no, you, it's, it's actually for using controlling multiple machines in front of you, exactly. It doesn't actually um, do a KVM where it brings up another computer on the display. You have three machines, three full machines. You actually want all three set up, and one of them ends up being the host. <clears throat> and uh, So that's the keyboard and mouse you have in front of you. And then the other two are, are the clients, and um, and as you move your mouse to the other machines, you can use the same keyboard and mouse. So what I did, I just kept the other keyboard and mouse up underneath the monitors of the other in case I needed to jump to them. So uh, Is it
0: cross-platform? Does it work with Linux and Windows and Mac?
3: Uh, yeah. I don't know about Mac, but I believe it does work Linux and Windows. I'd have to go back and double check, but I'm almost positive it does. Because that so, would
0: be really useful for me right now. I've got three laptops: one for recording, one for Skype, and one I'm doing the notes on. And I have to yeah. reach over across. So yeah, I'll check that That'd out. Be
3: great. Yeah. So what it did, the the setup is? You go into the first one and you run it, and then you hit, you go to I don't have it in front of me. I have it. I had it at work. I don't have it at work now. But uh, you go in and you um, go to the config tab or the utilities tab or the setup tab or whatever. And then the tricky part is you have to add two lines, and I'm sure you can, you're, obviously you're a smart guy, I'm sure you can figure this out on your own, but you have to add two lines for each monitor. You have a, the left side of this monitor touches the right side of that monitor, but you also have to have a line that says the right side of this monitor touches the left side of this monitor, or you move off can't of go your back. monitor to the other screen and you're trapped on the other screen, you can't get back. And so, um, and I found that if if you mess it up, uh, say for example, you add another machine to the mix or whatever, uh, what will happen is um, it will, um, the, for whatever reason, it'll you'll read the rules like they're right and it just flat out will not work. And so if that's the case, the simplest method is delete the folder, the Synergy folder, and reinstall it. And whatever that config file that's in there in the background that does all the fancy work has messed up. So um, just take your time, figure out left and right on the monitors, talk yourself through it because it's like PCA is left side joins to, it builds like a sentence pcb on the right side then you have to do the opposite and you have to set one up, up as the server and then you install it and there's a little thing down the bottom that um that lets you uh connect you can set it up to auto connect whenever you boot the computer up one thing i will tell you in if you get it going to mark if you want to mess with it uh, something handy if you know uh, uh much about um services and starting and stopping services if you install it to run at boot up it runs as a service it's it's worth the trouble to write a little batch file to stop and start the service. So if they get out of whack and hung on the other machines, um, on your host machine, you can just double-click a batch file. It'll start and stop the services on the other machines for you remotely, and bam, Synergy's back up.
0: So if I've got it running here on my laptop and I'm not near the others or the others are turned off, when I turn it on, the two services will link up and just start working?
3: If you if you have it, if you don't have Synergy actually running on the other machines, and you turn on your host machine, it'll say Unable to Connect. It'll tell you it can't find the other ones.
0: So when the other machine comes up, do I have to stop and restart Synergy?
3: No, at that, well, kind of. That's what the, that's the other handy thing about the batch file. If you, if you have them out of order, or you turn up, you want to turn your, uh, your other machines on first, and then turn on the host machine, if I remember right. Uh, but it's, the batch file makes all of that kind of a moot point, because you can just double click the batch file, it'll just restart the services, all of them, and it'll be happy. Okay.
2: The other thing I remember from hearing about other people that are using Synergy is it's nice. It it works a lot better if you can have the if you're routing everything or routing everything by IP address if they're all static.
3: Yeah, I I did it with PC name every time because we had we had dynamic IP.
2: Yeah,
0: and in a Windows environment or a heavily structured DNS environment that will work every time, right? Yeah,
3: and it and it I used it every day on three machines for four years and the only problem i ever had was like i said if i had a network disconnect or some kind of issue uh and then i that, instead of having to, it was as easy as going and grabbing that other mouse and keyboard and starting the service you know right clicking saying quit synergy and then launching synergy again to fix it uh but i didn't have to reach over there and grab that mouse and keyboard and they were all dusty because i never touched them
1: <laughs> you know <laughs>
3: So uh but yeah I think that definitely help you Mark you wouldn't be having to reach to those other laptops it would be fantastic.
0: Okay so I have we have time for one more question if there's anything out there um if not we'll go ahead and wrap it up but we're we're uh hitting an hour now so uh anybody else who wants to have the last word on this week's show. Purple. Purple? That's the last word. <laughs> bacon. Bacon bacon is a much better last word.
2: But uh, but purple's my universal answer when anyone asks me a question. That's <laughs>
0: like the old how many existentialists does it take
3: to change the light bulb? Green.
0: Yes. <laughs> for me, it's uh forty two. That that is that's, the ultimate that's... answer to, to life, the universe, and anything. Universe so and everything. If I don't know, it's forty two.
3: Motorcycle's my default answer for everything. <laughs> so I say, hey, you know who I saw? You know you know what I found and blah, 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 blah? Motorcycle.
0: And, uh, Blyth 55 in the chat room says we should do Q and A shows often. Honestly, this was fairly risky. We weren't sure if anybody would do it, but, uh, now that we've had some, uh, answer, uh, uh, some, uh, we've had some participation. Um, I talk good. Um, we might do this maybe once a month or so. Uh, every, you know, that'll be, that'll be a fun thing, but you guys got to bring the goods and you can always contact us ahead of time. All right, and send us an email or send us a tweet or you know whatever, however your method is. You don't have to wait until the night of to be in the chat room and say for your next uh, Q and A thing, here's my question for you. And I and uh, that would be good because that way we can actually research the answers and not stam around and go. "Um, Hmm. I think maybe it's uh, might be. um," And and of course that assumes we're going to do any work ahead of time, but right.
2: (laughs) And well, it also just- depends on how in-depth the question is, too. If it's something, you know, on the new band of the spectrum, if it's something new, Mark and I, you know, maybe the other two might have it on our, right there in our heads. But if it's a pretty in-depth question, like the Samba question technically was, but we just, I had just done this like two weeks ago. So I had kind of it in my head already. Um, bring it up, you know, cause send it to us early. Cause otherwise we're going to be, you know, going uh, 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 um, um, as we Google search the answer for you.
3: Well, since um, I don't know anything ever hardly on this show and I actually had uh, uh, something of an answer for the Synergy question, um, I just threw my email address in the chat room there. Nap Scott, if you actually are trying to do this and you run into a problem, feel free to email me um, and I will pull Synergy out of the archive folder on my computer and install it and take a look at it again and and try to talk you through it if you run into it. But I, I think once you get in there and armed with the left-hand, right-hand knowledge, uh, you should be able to figure it out.
0: And, of course, that uh, is a perfect segue into the content, the contact us uh, section of the show. But before we do that, we need to have our tips of the week. Chris, do you have a command line tip of the week for us?
2: SSH is your friend. There's too much to go into it's just one command line, uh, one tip. But, uh I've been using SSH now for a solid week, and without it, my life would have been hell this week.
3: I thought it was on Friday anyway.
2: It was. Okay, to but it have been worse. <laughs> I Only been in SSH
3: the could have a hard drive.
0: Yeah, what's great about SSH is it lets you be a command line on a remote computer. So if you're a command line guy like Chris, then you're good to go anywhere. Um, yep. But I, I I like better SCP, which is uh, the a uh, command protocol on top of SSH. So it, it's running SSH, but I can you know I can use for example um, Nautilus, and I can say SSH colon slash slash and and go there and and I get the the Nautilus experience over SSH. So again, being the GUI uh, centric person that I am, sorry Seth, don't mean to steal your thunder. Uh, <laughs> that's the way I like to do things. Okay, so, uh, Seth, what is our end-user tip of the week?
1: Well, I decided to – I found this website that has tons of Android tablets, uh, a very wide selection, and it's pretty much all they do. You can find the same information by going to, like, com slash Amazon and searching through Amazon for it. But it's they don't do a lot, but they have tons of different Android tablets. Tablets that are available for sale. so if you like, you want to look and see what tablets are out there, you want to get one, you don't have the money to buy an iPad, and you want to see what kind of Android offerings there are, there's lightinthebox.com. All
0: right. I'm um,
3: going to buy the one called Thor just because it's called Thor. Thor.
1: <laughs> with tablets though, you gotta
0: be careful because uh there are you know cheap Chinese manufacturers that are cranking out tablets that have a crappy resistive touch screen and only run right. Android 1.6 and have you know uh 256 megs of RAM. So you gotta be careful. You gotta read the specs carefully. But I'm and looking I'm at one end- right end- now. That's no Android 4.0 with a 9.7 inch capacitive touch screen. Uh, 16 gigs of RAM, 1.2 gigahertz, two megapixel camera. That's meh, nah. uh, for 230 bucks. That's a that's that's Christmas present material right there.
3: Yeah, and I'm gonna name it Milnor.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: but I will not throw it at anyone.
0: Okay, so if you have questions for us, comments for us, uh, the place to do that is over at elementop.com. There's a forum there that says Everyday Linux, and you can go in there and you can post something. When you post something, it will notify all of us, and we will then go read said something that you posted. But if you're not a forum guy, if you're an email sort of guy, you can email us at edl, for everyday Linux, at elementop.com. Said email will go to all four of us, and we will see it. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook, but honestly, we kind of ignore those. Uh, so just being honest with you, the best ways to do it is to email us, elementop.com, uh, or edl at elementop.com, or go to the elementop.com and go to the forums. But also, if you actually want to have your voice on the interwaves, yes. um, you can do that by calling us at 559 Opie, or going to our website and use the Leave Us a Voicemail widget. Uh, that will call a our Google voice number. And that will send it to me. I will then share it with the rest of the guys and play it on the show the next time we have one. So uh, that's OP. the way to do it. I am. OB. I haven't said that in a long time Aaron. you've, you've been know, missing. I've missed it. You've been waiting <laughs> to do that.
3: I have. Sometimes I'll just do it around the house. And my wife looks at me strangely.
0: <laughs> your wife looks at you strangely on a regular basis though, doesn't she? Does, right?
3: For 19 years, she still looks at me strangely. You're
2: so, not the only one.
0: <laughs> so we look forward to your con, uh, uh, feedback and your, um, you know, good words, bad words, whatever you want to say, uh, questions, answers. Uh, if you have a better answer to some of the questions tonight than we gave, let us know and we'll come back and we'll correct that. So, uh, let us know. Feedback is our friend. Also, if you have some show topics, we, uh, we were so low on short show topics that we decided to do a listener Q and A. Let's face it, this was a punt this week. So <laughs> if you have something you want us to cover, let us know and we'll do it. And so, uh, guys, yes, anything nice. else to say before we say good night? thanks everybody 42 purple and that ends this episode of